0: We treat our physical health really well. Like if you have a broken leg, you go to the doctor and you get it set. Even if you have a cut, you reach in there and you slash your arm on an end mill and you need stitches, you go to the hospital, you get a doctor and you get it done. But with our mental health, we often just try to walk off a broken leg. And that's what I think I was doing.
1: This is SWARFCAST. I'm Noah Graff. Today's podcast is the first episode of a new season about mental health. Our guest on the show is Jackie, owner of PXR Machining. Jackie spent the majority of her life trying to mask a significant part of herself from others and deny her own feelings about who she always knew she was. Through therapy, she finally gained the courage to transition from a man to a woman in her late 40s. Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.g I am very honored to be with Jackie, owner of PXR Machining. They are a plastic shop, mainly working with CNC routing, milling, fabricating. Welcome to the show, Jackie. It's great to have you.
0: Thank you very much.
1: So uh, this is a new season we're doing. It's about mental health. I mean, it could be universal for everybody, but it's somewhat directed towards our audience, people working in a shop, people yeah. of our of our community. And friend Logan, another machinery dealer who we interviewed for the podcast, actually, he recommended I talk to Jackie because she has had quite a journey trying to find herself and figure out the right identity and through doing so, feel better as a person. Without a doubt. So, Good. Well, hopefully I, I summarized it correctly. So first, let's just give people a little context. Tell everybody what PXR does, what you guys make. Just give people a little feel of, of who you are, where you're coming from, and then we'll, then we'll go into more about your, your life, your personal journey.
0: You bet. I started out long ago doing plastic fabrication, but mostly with woodworking tools. And in 1997, I added a CNC router, and then fell in love with CNC machining. We ended up with three mills and four routers, and you know, but things have been slower, so we've been paring down. Logan, as we discussed, told me this wonderful fourteen-tool Robo drill. I love Robo drills. Um, I remember seeing those for the first time at Apple when they were doing the initial Apple iPhones. They used to line them up in a warehouse and had tons of them operating at the same time. I didn't know things. that. Really impressed me.
1: What were I they was... making for the Apple with RoboDrills?
0: drills? The, uh, the aluminum frame.
1: You'd say that you you would describe yourself as a a creative person. That's kind of the thing that makes you tick.
0: Love to build and create, make and design, and just always been like my thing.
1: And uh, when did you start the business?
0: Back in 1992, in my garage. I'd been working for a little plastics company that was owned by a family, and it's there was like 20 something stores, and I loved working in the stores, and I learned lots of things. But what I learned ultimately was they weren't handling anything that even remotely needed high tolerance. If it wasn't on the tape measure, measurable by a sixteenth of an inch, they wouldn't touch it. And so I realized there was a market space in between full machine shops and just a little place that would cut some plastic. And that's kind of where I entered the market. Um,
1: I see. Were they getting their stuff from China?
0: There was a little bit of stuff back then, but that would have been the late 80s, early 90s. Ninety, ninety-one. 1991, I worked there and... Some of the stuff was still being made in America, but there was, you knew which was import material and which was like Roman Haas, plexiglass, things like that. These days, almost all plexiglass, except for a select few, is imported. The market is just, that's what it is. Most things are manufactured in China now, but uh, there are still some manufacturers out there slugging it out. It makes me happy to see it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you started your own shop in 1992. Yes. And, you know, throughout your career, you've had several different shops, correct?
0: Yeah, it's kind of changed as the market has changed. Um, I had a retail store, then a roll-up door store when the building got sold, then back to a a really nice retail store. I made a beautiful retail store. And what products
1: were you selling?
0: A lot of walk-in stuff. People would say, well, I want a tabletop, or I need this medical device box made, or I need this trade show display made. And at one point we did signs too. So we had a whole section just for sign. We would do whatever people told us, here's the print, want you to make that. Or I need all of these pieces to ultimately do this. And I would design it for them.
1: Okay. And now you're selling some stuff for the firearms industry?
0: We make some gunsmithing tools. Yeah. Um, Friends of mine kind of needed things and I filled it And I realized there was a market space in the last five years. I mean, that's one of our steadiest things. And as a machinist, it's kind of feast and famine. So it's nice to have something steady.
1: That makes sense. And we hear that from a lot of our customers. So, okay. So you've had several different iterations of businesses. And then at one point, you got in a motorcycle accident. How long ago was that?
0: Um, Around 2004, I was riding with friends. One of my friends who was a... uh, A rep of mine, he was actually the rep for one of the vendors I bought plastics from. And I saw his motorcycle in the parking lot once and kind of kidded around that I'd knocked it over in the parking lot. He came running forward to come, you know, beat me up, I guess. And then I told him I was joking. And ever since then we've been great friends and we started riding together. He belonged to a group. So the whole group and I were riding back and forth doing all these fun things. And on one of those rides, I got hit. Um, I was kind of at the back of the pack with my friend, just watching over everybody because I was a very competent rider and so was he. And two cars got in a wreck. One car came across and just took us both out. My friend got out of there with a couple of broken wrists. I unfortunately was really banged up. My pelvis came off my spine. Um, My pelvis broke. My right leg and knee was all broken up. My left arm was all broken up. Both wrists were shattered. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: And and how old were you then?
0: Thirty-five.
1: 35. So you were then in a wheelchair for several years?
0: 3 years in a wheelchair. Yeah. And it was um it sure seems like a lot longer than 3 years, but it was just That's crazy.
1: A, that is a long time.
0: It wasn't fun, but I ran my business out of that chair. I did everything I needed to. I went in and out of the shop. I did whatever I had to do. Stand up on one leg temporarily, you know, and just do whatever needed to be done, you know, determined.
1: Mm-hmm. How did that end after 3 years?
0: My friend was getting married on 7707, um, and I was determined not to be in a wheelchair at that wedding. And I really made up my mind that I was going to make a change. And even if I had to have two crutches, and I had two Canadian crutches that have the little cuff that holds your arm, and um, my right leg is mostly paralyzed. So I have an AFO or an orthotic foot device in that shoe to keep my foot from just kind of flopping around. It's a plastic insert that keeps it rigid, like an L shape but I didn't have one. So I went back to the shop. I made a vacuum forming jig out of MDF off of one of the uh, CNC routers. I made a tape mold of my foot, filled it with urethane foam, made a mold, put it on, sucked a sheet of polyethylene over it, and made an orthotic foot device for myself all in one day.
1: Wow. It seems like, you know, if you feel like you need to make a change, sometimes you're, you're just the type of person that will, that will do it.
0: Yeah. Sometimes DIY and knowing how to do stuff is good. As I'm sure you'll point out, DIY is not great for mental health. (laughs) That's where you want professionals.
1: Okay. So you you got to walk again, but now we're going to talk about, you know, the biggest transition in your life. I mean, for most people, three years in a wheelchair would be sort of the epiphany moment in their life. And right now, you've undergone a transformation from a man to a woman.
0: That is correct. Absolutely.
1: Tell me a little bit about the journey from doing that. When did you feel like things weren't right?
0: That goes way back. I can condense it, though. I'm good at it now. Um, I knew when I was four years old.
1: Four um, years old.
0: I remember the conversation that my parents had with me. I'd come out and I was proud of myself for drying myself off half the- I took a bath or something and my grandmother and my grandfather were sitting in the living room with my parents and I was there amongst them talking to them. And I think one of my grandparents asked me, what did I want to be when I grew up? And I I knew exactly. I said, oh, I want to be exactly like my mom. I want to be a teacher and I want long fingernails and I want to be pretty, you know, and all those things. And then my parents were like, we need to talk to you, you know, and that was actually very traumatic, which is like it always stuck in my mind. That one little conversation. And then from that point forward.
1: What did they say? You're you're not that.
0: You're not going to be like your mother. You're not going to have long fingernails and long hair and be pretty and look like your mother. You're not you're not a girl, you know. And I just assumed that I was just like my sister. I had just up to that point in my life assumed that's who we were. I had no Mm -hmm. idea. Definitely a shocker.
1: (laughs) So. Wow. So, I mean, obviously at four years old, you have, you know, a four-year-old doesn't understand what the heck's going on. No. Um, So then, you know, as time went on, you know, you chose, you actually chose a sort of a male oriented field. Yeah.
0: Um, Probably ultra masculine. Um, A lot of overcompensating um, Mm -hmm. throughout. And there there were a few times in my life where I thought maybe it was time to transition. I worked with a trans woman at Radio Shack when I was 17, and she told me what the whole life was like. And back then, it was scary. You know, she was lucky to have a job because not all trans women could have them. They were very highly discriminated against. And it scared me. I wanted to transition, but it was frightening, that idea back when I was 17. Um, So I didn't. But I had another opportunity when I was around 29 and got real serious about it. But again, unfortunately, I was just scared. So I didn't. Mm -hmm.
1: And And you've been married several times. Twice now, yes. When was the first time you got married?
0: Um, I got married when I was 18.
1: Okay. For how long?
0: Uh, About nine years.
1: Okay. So you were married at the time, the first time where you were thinking about... uh, Just
0: before. I was 17 when I was thinking about it. 18 when we got married. So, and it follows a pattern. I did a similar thing. You know, Um, I thought about... You know, I really should just be true to myself, but getting married and having kids seemed like that's what all guys do. you know I, I'd received kind of that message from people in general or people in my family, like, well, you you know you get married, you have kids, you have a job, you make a home, you know all of did those you things. feel
1: like that might sort of bring you back to I did. Like a, a normal person, quote unquote yep.
0: bury all of the why am i why do I feel like this and distract myself with a home and a marriage and kids and building a business and, you know, just really overloading myself to the point where I couldn't think about anything else.
1: And did that make you feel even worse?
0: Um, At times I was so distracted and things were going really well that I was very happy in that moment. But after the motorcycle wreck, it just kind of all crumbled around me. And Hmm. it was very like the walls came down and it was very visible that I'd kind of hid myself from reality.
1: And well, I see had- that to me that would that would be you know uh, obviously I haven't had any experience like that, but as somebody looking in, my intuition would say that would be the kind of experience that would make somebody decide, all right, uh, life is short, I'm going to make a change. Yes. And is that what happened, or did you then it wait t- a while?
0: Really took a while. I just decided to bury it again because I I had been married for one year, we were going to have a child, and I I wanted to just focus on that getting better get the shop going. I just opened my best retail store ever. You know, I mean, all the things I ever wanted to do. We just bought a condo. We did all these wonderful things. And then I got hit on the motorcycle and I had to deal with all my feelings. I did not at that time get a a therapist. And I I think that probably would have been the best time of my life to have done so. Mm -hmm. I, I believe You know, it's a stigmatized thing, even though it really shouldn't be. And I didn't get a therapist at that time. So I just kept struggling. I kept DIYing my mental health.
1: So when you when you got in a wheelchair for three years, you still didn't get a therapist.
0: No, I did not. You know, we we treat our physical health really well. Like if you have a broken leg, you go to the doctor and you get it set. Even if you have a cut, you reach in there and you slash your arm on an end mill and you need stitches. You go to the hospital, you get a doctor and you get it done. But with our mental health, we often just try to walk off a broken leg. And that's what I think I was doing.
1: Just that is so interesting. That is such an interesting parallel. I mean, you say we take care of our health. I say I was about to say, well, nobody takes care of their health very well. But yeah, that's what you're what you're saying is when there's a big problem, people do take care of it. But when there's trauma in the head, it's that's right. We ignore it. We try to walk
0: it off. And I guess trying to do that, unfortunately.
1: But when Um, you were able to walk, do you think that that, I mean, uh, that was clearly mental. I mean, that was, I would think that meant something.
0: At that point, I think I just wanted to keep hiding it. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. it's not something you tell people. I hadn't really told anybody. I had one family member I talked to a little bit when I was a kid, but that was it, you know, and they kept my secret. But up to that point, you know, I mean. That would have just been the opposite of what everybody perceived me to be.
1: Right. Because you were you were like a big guy, drove a big truck had a machine shop, liked to shoot guns. Every boy had had a wife.
0: (laughs) Yep. I had. And this will sound silly, but at one point I actually had a full uh, restored 1969 Dodge Charger that was a replica of the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazzard. I had the RV, you know, probably 10 motorcycles at one point, you know, the biggest truck you could buy with, you know, 22 feet long, you know, diesel turbo crew cab long bed, you know, I manned it up the best I could. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, sometimes my friends that I would tell later, they just told me they knew like I had some friends who were great friends of mine,
1: men or women or both
0: my best or my friend who ran the shop when I was in the hospital. And his parents, his mom and his dad all just kind of knew when I finally told them, they're like, we're not shocked. We already knew. We were just waiting for you to tell us. <laughs> I'm Interesting.
1: thinking,
0: how? How did I not hide that? You know, I thought I had it locked down pretty good.
1: But OK, so what was, what was the thing? thing? What, why one day did you wake up and you went, OK, I'm going to have a sex change?
0: Well, the the real thing, I think, was when it started coming down to I'd lost all the fire in my gut, you know, the fire in your belly that drives you to do stuff just went out. And the, su- the shop was suffering. My home life was suffering. My mental health was suffering. I was just down really badly. And I knew I needed help.
1: Had you started um, seeing a therapist yet or not?
0: Not at that point. But I had joined a, um, a forum for uh, trans support because I knew I was having an issue. I knew I needed to deal with it. And their big message was, go get a therapist right now. And they said, here's a a page of therapists in your area. Just pick one and go. And so I did. And getting that therapist was really the most instrumental pivot point for me to make improvements in my life. Now, that improvement for me was transition. But for others, it's a lot of other things. It's um, getting over substance abuse or alcoholism or smoking or, you know, um, putting things off, uh, not doing your, your bookkeeping. And you never your,
1: resorted to that. You never resorted to drugs or alcohol or anything. You know, to deal I, with it.
0: I'm actually quite boring. Um, I don't drink much. I've never done any drugs at all other than that I was prescribed by my doctor. And I'm I'm a little. Shy of the pain meds. You know, if I need them, I need them. But if not, I actually really don't prefer them. Sure. I've been actually, um, my parents were all teachers, my aunts, my uncles, everyone's teachers. So I come from a very straight laced kind of background. Um, and I've never felt like I could get away with anything. As a child of teachers, my father and mother, both teachers, you don't get away with anything. So I just learned early on, it's just simpler not to get in trouble.
1: <laughs> so. Interesting. And how does your family? Feel about how you are right now? You have kids.
0: I'd like to talk more with my sister. We don't really talk much. Um, My oldest kid, um, she's opening her own shop right now. She last month closed on a building and she's setting up her shop. She wants to do a sign shop. I'm so excited for her. We talk about it once in a while. Right now, she's so busy with it. We haven't had a chance to catch up. And I know what that's like. I remember spending 45 days nonstop trying to set up my first store, my first shop, you know. I know what that's like. And I know right now she's super tired and super excited. I know exactly what that's like.
1: But do you think that she's doing that as, as a reason to avoid talking about it with you?
0: Always been. She loves stuff like that. She and I are very similar. She's totally a gearhead like I am. Like she loves cars and V8s and all that kind of stuff. She likes to build things. She's very artistic. She's far more artistic than I am, but she loves to make stuff.
1: All right. But what is your relationship with her or your son or what? How do they feel about what you've done, who you are now, et cetera? What? Do they do they like you better or do they or are they like, what the hell? I don't want to be don't, <laughs> don't want to try- have anything to do with you.
0: Yeah, they're still trying to get used to stuff. Um, the oldest is doing a lot better with it. We have a different relationship now and we just talk about the stuff that really gets us interested. I think it bums her out because she misses dad. But um, Mm. I think she's gotten a lot farther along. Uh, My younger daughter, it's she's, you know, it's tough being a teenager. You know, I remember being a teenager, 15, 16 years old. That was a rough time for even if your life was perfect. That's a rough time.
1: Do you live with her? Does she live with you?
0: She's living with her mom. Okay, so she's over with her mom. And I know that's her easier place to be. You know, she and I are working on a new relationship and it'll take time. You know, those types of things when you're a kid and something major occurs, I mean, you know, it takes time. So my big thing for her is patience and just letting her approach things in her own speed. I don't want to push her in any direction. I just want her to be able to come to terms with how things are, give it a chance. You know, it may take a little while, but as long as she's comfortable, it'll move along eventually, you know, and everything can be perfect in a teenager's life. And that's still the case.
1: An FYI to our thousands of listeners out there. We're always looking for new show sponsors, new ideas for episodes, and feedback. Obviously, positive feedback is nice, but if you have some constructive criticism, it's also really good. Feel free to send emails to the contact info on todaysmachiningworld.com. If they're interesting, maybe I'll read some on the air. All right, I think, you know, this is a technical group of people listening to this, watching this. So let's just get briefly into the process. I want to know how this, how it all works. What's the first step? The first yeah. step is you make a decision in your mind and you go, all right, I, I want to do this. Okay. So then do you go to an expert or do you go to like a special doctor and say, all right, well, what's square one? What do we do?
0: Well, I started with a therapist and I always tell everyone who asks me, Where do I start? And I tell them, and they'll ask me about hormones and everything else. I'm like, stop. You got to get a therapist. You start with a therapist, and that's the only thing you do until you know what the next thing is. And your therapist will help you with that. My therapist told me, you need to go tell your doctor, make an appointment, sit down with your doctor, and explain to them what's going on. So that's where I started after talking with my therapist for quite some time. Um, And eventually, you do move on to hormone replacement therapy and then. Deciding with your therapist, you know, you talk with your therapist a lot, um, and you you make decisions for the way your life is going to unroll. And for me, it was quite a bit more surgery than a lot of other girls do. Some girls don't need or want much surgery, and some want, like myself, want to just be the female version of myself. And I'm totally fine with whatever it takes to get there. The motorcycle wreck taught me. I'm not scared of hospitals. I'm not scared of surgeries. I've been through countless surgeries for all sorts of things. They are temporary and you heal. So I have no yeah. fear. of. It. So for me, it was easy. I started kind of from the top down. Um, the first surgery would have been augmentation. Mm-hmm. Then the next surgery was uh, a facial reconstruction. Then it was a vocal reconstruction. And then, uh, and parlance inside the community is to do the downstairs surgery. And that was done uh, last.
1: Was that traumatic at all to do to to lose that or, or you were just like, finally, it feels right.
0: Yeah, it's like you wake up and you're finally like looking in the mirror thinking that's actually me for once, you know, and it it's disconcerting going through the process because initially you're very visible and you have to kind of get this mindset of it's temporary. There is an end to it. It'll all work out somehow. And you just take things one day at a time.
1: So um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a bit traumatic and you're constantly needing to see a, a therapist yeah. during it. Cause it's just like, that's gotta be maybe the biggest transition in your life.
0: Uh, dysphoria is a powerful thing. Um, and you deal with it as you go along and it gets, How long these, does it take? About three years. I'm, and that's fast. some girls, you know, take a good 10, 15 years to get from one end to the other. And some girls do it really rapidly. I went searching. I found a lot of very young women online mm-hmm. who were very beautiful and it didn't take them any time at all. But being my age, you know, testosterone had taken a toll on me. So it wasn't something that could be, you know, very rapidly fixed. I, I think the one of the things nobody talks about is the facial hair. Mm. And I'm almost done. Almost. There's just a few random little whiskers. But after three years of electrolysis, um, going every single week, I mean, it takes a long, long time. And having a shadow and your, your nails and your makeup done doesn't really go together. <laughs> and you're very aware of it. And so is everyone like, the, you know, the checkout girl at the grocery stores, you know, like, oh, yes, ma'am. And you're thankful when they, you know, when they give you that but um, eventually, you get to the point where you do just blend in as you. And for me, it took a couple of years. But when it happened, I was so thankful. And then you start relaxing. Like, I stopped, like, doing my makeup every day and, you know, always having my nails done. And I just kind of relaxed. Uh-huh. Nicer to just get to settle into the soccer mom version of me. The person I always kind of felt like. And then eventually, it just felt natural. So, it takes a while. but. You just approach it one day at a time and you eventually do get there. Yeah. For me, quick.
1: Right. Yeah. I guess that is pretty fast. I guess it's not really like going through puberty, but I mean, it's it in is. a way.
0: It's like a second puberty. They actually talk about that a lot. Um, restarting your hor- hormones does put you through a kind of a second puberty. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on really fast. Um, redistribution of body fat. And, you know, some have more than others. I've had quite a bit. It, it really makes a big change. Like your skin changes rapidly. It gets very thin. I have to be really careful what I get near around the shop. I don't have that protective layer of skin. I used to have, I get anywhere near the edge right. of a windmill, and I'm going to be bleeding. Right. Pretty- and
1: you've lost a lot of the muscle you had, correct?
0: Oh, the muscle mass just falls away. Um, I used to be able to lift like great big sheets of plexiglass over my head and put them on the routers. I can't even get them up onto my foot half the time now just to get someone else to help me to do it. So I've been having the vendors cut all the sheets in half or in quarters just so I can get them onto the machine.
1: And if you wanted to go say weight train or something, you can't do that, right? Because that might bring the testosterone back.
0: It wouldn't bring the testosterone back, but Without the testosterone, you don't build that lean muscle mass fast. It's just, you know, you have all the same trouble that any other woman does. Um, Building a muscle mass is tougher. Guys have more visceral fat kind of in the midsection. Girls have it externally and they have a lot less lean muscle mass. And you do eventually through hormone replacement therapy go into that same exact area where I've lost the muscle mass, all the same issues that every other girl has. I have. It definitely makes a big difference. But it happens so slowly over time, you don't really realize it until somebody tells you, like, why, are you, why do you need help? Is there something wrong? It's like, I can't lift this. Well, what are you talking about? You used to do it on your own all the time. Right. You're right. I used to.
1: Do you, do you know much about going the other way, going from a woman to a man? Is it about the same it. amount of time? And
0: um, In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Testosterone is very strong and it's very potent. Um, and it really makes big changes really rapidly for the guys. So female to male. And I have lots of friends that have done that. Some of us girls are a bit jealous because they guy up so quick. It's it's quite impressive. Beards and muscles, their muscles, like all of a sudden, it's just like, they just get like football players all of a sudden and with beards. And I'm like, how are you doing that? It's like one year, you know, how are you achieving this? And estrogen is kind of a whispering thing. It just it's quiet and subdued and it takes time Mm -hmm. with the testosterone. The guy is just blossom so quickly. You know, I remember when I had my bottom surgery and I was at the hospital for one week, I used to walk around to try to get healthy. After a couple of days, they let me walk around with my walker and my uh, IV pole. And I would do that as often as I could because it's good for healing. And there was one guy out there that also was going about my speed, really slow. And we're both out there with our walkers, just, Making our way. I finally looked at him and he had a really interesting tattoo and some other stuff. And I started talking to him, like, what does that mean? He goes, Oh, warrior. This is warrior and this is strength. And I'm like, wow, those are really neat. And then uh, another day, I finally asked him as we both went across the same pathway, I said, So why are you here? You've been here about the same amount of time I have. And he said, Oh, for transition. And it shocked me because I had no idea. And I
1: said, Wow. So he was going the other way.
0: Yep. And I just was amazed. I kept seeing this guy who just looked like somebody. you see it on a construction site? You know, this was a tough dude. And I had no clue, zero idea. And here we are both there for the same thing, recovering in the opposite direction. <laughs> it was just, it was a wild thing, but. Uh, and
1: very I, interesting. And you are still attracted to women though, even though you are yeah, a woman.
0: Kind of got the baked in. I like girls, you know which is odd because I went from being a straight male to a gay female, but I've, I'm totally fine with it. I've never really thought about what I was doing. So for me, it's, I don't think much about it. I, it's who I am.
1: Um,
0: It would be simpler and more invisible for me to be with guys, but that's just not my preference.
1: Right. Um, Well, but I mean, what I see and what I appreciate is you've learned to be okay with who you are, whether you fit, into the mold that society has designed um, or that science has supposedly designed for you, you are able to to do what it says in your heart.
0: I always feel like we have a core personality that's just us. And then we have that mask, at least for myself, I know I did, where I kind of pulled everything down over the top of me to let other people see what I wanted them to. And now I've just let the mask go and the core is still there, but I get to find out who I am at the same time.
1: Right. Do you have any advice for somebody who is looking to transition or even advice for somebody who's looking to make some other kind of radical change in their life, a scary change?
0: Anytime I think of life-altering experiences or um, things that require a lot of thought, I, I go to the same place. And it's like, a therapist is one of the most important tools you can have in the toolbox. It really is. And I know there's a stigma. There really shouldn't be. Therapist is just there to help you find out what's wrong, do some analysis, figure out what the diagnostics are, diagnose stuff with you, you know, so you realize what's going on. And then they don't make decisions for you, but they certainly down a pathway where you can get to a place where you could make a decision for yourself. And I think that the therapist is that tool that helps us straighten out things that have been bent wrong, you know. There really shouldn't be a stigma to it, but there still is. And I recommend to anyone, whether it's transition or anything, that's a problem, trouble, something that's not right that they want to correct, or if they want to do something completely different and they're struggling to figure out what to do, there's never a wrong time to search out and talk to a therapist.
1: Unless it's a, I mean, it's got to be a good therapist, obviously, and that's part of the problem. How do you find the right one? But
0: correct. Um, I was able to use a, a resource that was very specifically geared towards transgender people. So that helped me a lot. Um, and I got, I, I got really lucky. My first therapist was super awesome. And then the therapist inside my medical group again was also super awesome. So I had a really great experience. And if you get the wrong therapist, you kind of know, just go to the next one. Sure. You know, that therapist isn't working for you. There are more, you know, it's like a mechanic. You go to one mechanic and he's not doing what you need. You get another mechanic. You find the guy with the right tools.
1: Do you consider yourself a person that's good at change?
0: Actually, probably not. I am a a resistant to change type of person, but I'm actually far more adventuresome now than I once was. It takes a lot of thought and contemplation before I'll move. But these days, I will allow myself to think about what it is I want, maybe something I don't like how can I fix it? What's a better step? What could I do that I would prefer to do rather than something else? You know, As far as that is a topic, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I've been doing this close to 30 years and I've done everything I've really ever wanted to do in this industry and I've had a lot of fun, but I think I want to move into the medical field. I've had such good feelings about what's happened throughout my life with medical things that I really want to go help people directly. Sometimes mm-hmm. what I build here is a medical device that helps someone else indirectly. I would love to be involved directly with the person I'm out. I'm, I'm like the person helping them. That's a You good, feel like
1: yeah. you, it gives you more purpose.
0: Yeah, it really does. I want to directly help someone right there. One to one, like nurses and doctors, LVNs. I think for me, one of the most traumatic things and one of the best things for me was the electrolysis. I would love to be an electrologist. I'd really like to. So I've been going to school for that.
1: That is really interesting. Just a few other questions. When you think of happiness, what do you think of?
0: I think of time well spent and we only get so much time. Um, And a lot of us, you know, machinists are a very similar bunch. We get stuck in the shop working constantly, you know, and sometimes we're just on our own a lot. Um, And we work very hard. um, And We want to get the job done. Sometimes even when we have employees, if we think we can do it better than they can, we'll just simply step in and do their job for them. It happens constantly. There are some that are better managers of employees. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I want to just have everyone be happy and have everything happen the best way possible. So I'll often be that one that steps in and starts doing their job for them, which we shouldn't. But time is one of those things where you are eventually going to run out. Mm. Our lives aren't built around just performing our job. There's time with your family, time with friends, time and just enjoying living you know, not working. So having a good balance of work and life and just self-healing activities, whether that's fishing or taking a drive in the country or loading the family in the RV and visiting a bunch of places across the country, whatever that happens to be, we all have different things. And I think life should be spent trying to be A full and enjoyable experience, rather than just the accumulation of something. Whether it sounds
1: sounds like you feel like maybe you spent too much time in the shop.
0: I think that might be a correct statement. I definitely spent more time burning away at just this one particular thing for a very long time. That I think, as most people my age, as I'm now fifty, we get to a place where. We want to spend more time just enjoying the world, stopping and slowing down, smelling the roses, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's something that you learned last week? Well, can be anything.
0: I I have some very good friends. I've enjoyed the blessing of people around me. I've realized that where I wasn't seeing all of the good things that were surrounding me, I just needed to stop, slow down and realize There were some very good people in my life. There are some very important blessings I've been given. We don't often stop and look for all the good things. Mm. Um, So last week, I did kind of take some time to try to stop and think about all the good things that have been happening recently. We get focused on the bad things because our brain wants us to focus on problems, put out the fires. Sometimes it's okay to just take in the goodness and realize there are good things happening and appreciate them. I realized I've got a lot of really great people. Logan would be one of those good people.
1: You know, I I hope that this helps at least somebody out there. One person listening.
0: Yeah. If there's any one thing I would tell them, don't worry about the stigma of therapy. If anything in your life needs fixing, don't DIY your mental health. You know, just that's not the place to DIY. Um, There's no reason not to get help when you need it.
1: From today's Machining World, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five star rating and review. And don't forget to tell your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and today'smachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch videos of extended interviews. I'm Noah Graff, My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graf. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is William Steffi. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com.